This week on Inside Motorsport, we find out a bit more about what happens in the front room of supercar teams. I hope you'll stay with us. Peter Travaskas is the commercial marketing manager of the ProDrive Racing Australia supercar team. We had a chance to speak to him late last year and find out a bit more about what that role entails. Now, like any professional sport, commerciality is a reality. Um, in our instance, we don't go racing without good funding and good finance from our commercial partners. So yeah, absolutely chasing uh, you know, sponsorship and backing uh, basically allows us to go racing and perform at the level we do. How does a major car deal come together? Yeah, there's a range of ways deals come together. Um, I think we'd all like them just to fall on our lap and, uh, and be a fait complete. But uh, no, look, they, they generally take a little bit of time to culture and nurture, and often you know they can be years of discussions and, and um, you know sort of planning. But in the general sense, you're probably you know it's around about a 12-month lead time, and uh, they can often come through contacts through other people that we know, you know, uh, private entities, clients or third parties, um, sometimes sponsors reach out to you looking to get involved in the sport and they may come through the category as well so there's a number of different ways we can channel them but ultimately it's up to us to obviously come up with the right package. You know, We're uh, obviously a large team, the, the biggest in pit lane with four main series car and two Dunlop series cars so the uh, the commerciality of our team is obviously very important because um, we need substantial funding to, to compete so those deals are critical to the overall success. Uh, in terms of tiers, I mean the, there's a number of different ways you can cut a deal up. For the most part, and you'll see this with most teams in the supercar series that uh, there is a primary sponsor in each car. They're usually the primary sponsor for an entire season or multiple seasons depending on the deal. And they control the majority of the space on that car, generally the general colour and look and feel of, of the car and everything that's related to it. Merchandise, team uh, uniforms, garage, race suits, you know, digital applications. So there's quite a, you know, a knock-on effect for gaining a large commercial partner and the look and feel and the general direction of, the, of the, that car and potentially the, the whole overall team. How do you manage conflicts bet uh, between brands or is it not uncommon to have actually two rivals still sponsoring the one team? I think it depends on the size of your team. I mean, we're lucky in the sense that we run four cars in two garages. So primary reference for us would be that we currently have uh, Monster Energy uh, as a primary sponsor on Cameron Waters' car. But we also have uh, Pepsi Max as a, as a partner on Chaz Mostert's car. Now, they're in separate garages. So at no point in time do we uh, do anything which would cause a crossover or a conflict between those two brands. Both brands were fully aware that they were you know, going to be in the same stable such, but obviously we ensure that all marketing communications and any sort of activations we do respectful to the related companies because it's distributed by different companies and then generally it's just a matter of um, you know sort of working through any potential issues but for the most part we try and avoid conflicts uh, it's rare that you have this sort of situation but um, thankfully it's one we've been able to manage um, successfully generally you'll try and have one partner from each you know business category or also sort of style of, uh, of business and that just makes life a bit easier for everyone having two cars that look identical has got some advantages when you need parts, when you need uh, to make changes on the fly at a race meeting. For a commercial point of view, does it make any difference? There's, there's two ways of doing it, uh, and we, we've had both. You know, in the initial days of FPR, as we were previously known, when we ran multiple cars, whether it be two or three, the team always had a single car sponsor for each car. In 2012, we moved to a sponsor across uh, the two factory cars, which were then the two factory FPR cars, uh, Pepsi Max, um, when we had Will and then Chaz and obviously Frosty for, for that whole period as well. And yes, you're right, the ability to have 
one set of doors, one set of bonnets does save you a little bit of economy of scale. I mean, it certainly makes the general look and feel of the team, I guess, a little more easy because you've got, again, that one look across two cars. But in saying that, there's definitely advantages to having a um, you know a single car model, which we've moved back to now on our on our three cars that we control the, the commercial side of. It certainly brings some benefits because you can open up your commercial channels. Um, obviously, we can have more sponsors, which has some you know definite benefits. So swings and roundabouts, I mean, the, the model traditionally has always been one sponsor, two cars in motorsport globally. Some series like Formula One mandate that. In, in our category, we've got a little more flexibility. I think that actually helps us. With a sponsor, how much is a sticker on a car about the sponsorship? I think there's still an element of brands and sponsors like to see their logo on TV. Who doesn't? It's definitely a measure of, I guess, their success as a company. And then if we're having success on track and we're winning races and championships, there's a knock-on effect within that business and, and their customers. So it's absolutely degree about logos on cars, but sponsorship these days, and it's not only in recent years, but for you know, probably a decade or more, has been highly sophisticated. So sticker on the car is, for some brands, the be-all and end-all. For a lot of brands, it's a key part of their marketing communication strategy. And for others, it's a, it's a nice cherry on top. They focus more on the sort of behind the scenes things that the race fan won't see but they might be key to their specific business or their clients or their customers. How do you balance what you can do at a track? You can't just have a stream of sponsors coming in and out of your garage all day and speaking to your driver all day so how do you balance what you can do on a race weekend to what you have in the uh, 200 other days when you're not racing? Well, ultimately everyone, uh, sponsors included, know that we come to a racetrack for one primary thing and that's to race and, and to win. Um, that's the reason that, that we come every every week um, and uh, the flip side of that is I guess that uh, as a race team we know that without these commercial partners we don't go racing so um, we run a very strict uh, schedule which allows us to uh, I guess accommodate everyone and their requests um, some partners uh, as we sort of touched on previously they do a lot uh, around a race meeting uh, others do a lot away from a race meeting so there's a balance too that not every single partner that uh, is part of our uh, makeup are at every race some focus on certain states, some focus on certain events. So uh, generally we avoid uh, the conflict. Um, there are commercial rules in the sport which uh, mandate some things that we can and can't do. So there's a degree of control from the category. Uh, and also we obviously control the contracts that we generate. So we're aware of what we can accommodate at a racetrack. Um, so we'll never build in something that is uh, unachievable basically. So there's uh, a lot of planning that goes into ensuring that we can accommodate the sponsors' requests, while not obviously affecting on-track performance. You as you as the commercial uh, manager of PRA, what's your team look like, and what's the skill set inside your team? Um, we have sort of two streams. Uh, my uh, background is, is communications and marketing, and that's my sort of primary side of, of what we do in our commercial entity. Um, we also have a sales stream. So basically we have uh, a team of people, um, two guys in our instance, that uh, are tasked with uh, gaining revenue, retaining revenue, uh, extending existing partnerships, uh, cost saving, because cost saving is uh, as important as also bringing in revenue. Uh, and basically uh, we work as a complete team uh, to ensure that all of our commercial commercial partners uh, receive what they're entitled to. So effectively we've got um, the, the two sides, one sort of I guess yeah, generating and, and bringing in revenue and cost saving measures and then a team of people that are tasked with ensuring that those partners uh, receive what they're entitled to as part of their contract. Um, coming up with marketing and communications, activation plans and ideas, working with their agencies if they're a larger entity. Um, so it's quite a whole of um, 
you know, sponsorship approach. Um, we don't just sign a sponsor up and put the sticker on the car and take the money and sort of see you at the end of the year for renegotiation. Um, and no one really does that, to be honest. It's it's really about ensuring that we drive as much value as possible. Um, often uh, you gain a sponsor by how creative you've been in your pitch. Um, we're, we're really like an agency. We go in and pitch for clients. Uh, and basically, uh, if we can't show them that we are have a, we have a strong understanding of their brand and what it needs to do and why we benefit it, um, then we're, we're never going to land sponsors. So with your team and what your team's able to achieve, you've done everything from in-house video to face-to-face events. How many people are in that team and how many people uh, and how many different uh, departments are you sort of looking after? Is everyone a multi-skilled, multi-talented person? Yeah, look, I think in the ideal world we'll have, we'd have probably you know twice the staff and, and three or four departments within the, the commercial side of our business. But the reality is that um, in this day and age you need to be multi-skilled. You need to have uh, the ability to do a lot of different things. Uh, and I think that um, the more skill sets that we have as individuals, uh, I guess the more value are for our team, but also for our sponsors. So we have uh, around about ten staff uh, within our commercial setup. Uh, and that covers everything from sales, as we've discussed, marketing and PR communications, digital uh, content, uh, through to uh, memberships, uh, corporate hospitality, which is a huge part of our commercial program. Uh, and then we use some um, related agencies um, to do video content production, uh, photography and graphic design. For the most part, we're either that business's primary client or they're pretty much an integrated part of our business. Um, we try and bring everyone in as close as we can because if they know our business and our clients very well, that's going to ensure that what we deliver for those people uh, is as accurate and high quality as possible. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.